All right, we've got episode 101 of the Church Digital Podcast, powered once again by Stadia Church Planting. It's kind of nice. We're in three figures now, 101. We celebrated episode 100 last week. Phenomenal episode, packed guest list. Uh, and, and so lots of content there to process and celebrations to be a part of. Listening audience, thank you. But let's move on to what's ahead. Hey, we launched a new show here at the Church Digital. It's called Beta, The Beta Show. And so we are answering your questions. The show debuts on social media Wednesday. We put it on podcast Thursday. And so check it out, uh, The Beta Show. There's information at thechurch.digital on it. Or really, what I'd love what you can do right now for me, listening audience out there, text me questions. What do you have on social media? What do you have? What questions do you have right now in your church in online ministry? What are you struggling with? What, what's the biggest challenge to overcome? Let me know. Text us, 484-324-8724. If you speak telephone alphabet, that's number four, the church, 484-324-8724. We'd love to get those questions and we may even answer them here on the beta show, one of the episodes we have coming up in the coming weeks. Let's segue. Let's get back to 101 here. I, I love this episode. I, I love this man. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. Jim Tomberlin, uh, Chief of Staff, Christ Fellowship Miami, Multi-Site Solutions, uh, Unstuck Group. Jim Tomberlin impacted my life before I even like breathed the same air molecules, before I even was in the same room with him. As one of the early pioneers of multi-site solutions, of multi-site church, one of these OG guys in the multi-site movement, uh, Jim was really pioneering in some areas and really uh, experimenting with this new idea of multi-site church maybe 20 years ago, even previous to that. And, and from afar, I loved watching some of his mind space that he was sharing back in the day on Twitter before Twitter was like the minefield it is now, when he was blogging back when like blogging was cool, like when he was generating all of this content, helping churches go multi-site. And at another level, I got to tell you, as I've shifted into this new role here with Stadia and even the church digital before then, helping churches go uh, digital, helping churches go online, it's been a phenomenal relationship. And, and just to have, a honestly, a mentor like, like Jim, we're not engaging all the time, but when we do talk, it's phenomenal, the insight that we get out of it. So of course, 101, I'm like, hey, let's get Jim back in the show here and let's talk about some things. Multi-site church, mergers, digital church, digital church, where are we going with all this thing? Jim, what are you thinking? And so we're bringing into this conversation, we're bringing in Jim Tomberlin, uh, multi-site solutions, multi-site guys, chief of staff with Christ Fellowship Miami, unstuck group, so many hats. We're bringing in Ray Armas. Digital Pastor, Christ Fellowship Miami co-host here, of course, bringing to myself, Jeff with the Church Digital and Stadia Church Planning. In an episode here, 101, that I'm really simply calling the key to the next digital church frontier. Okay, everybody, here you go. Hey, what's well, great to be back with you, Jeff and Ray. Appreciate uh, how you're leading in this whole digital church movement. And it's not new to you. Uh, it's been, what, five plus seven years, maybe, that you really uh, led Christ Fellowship into the digital space. And uh, we've been building on that uh, ever since. So, uh, and your your podcast are riveting, and um, you guys are becoming the voice, one of the key voices in this digital church movement. But my back, my background, hey, I'm in my fourth plus decade of being in pastoral church work, and uh, still loving it. 
And I um, get the chance now to help other churches have for the last 15 years as a consultant in the multi-site merger movements. And um, that's what led me here to Christ Fellowship as a, as a consultant and now serving as a chief of staff for the last three years. It was supposed to be six months, but three months, three years later, plus uh, still in this game here at Christ Fellowship and following behind you guys uh, in terms of the work you've been doing in the digital church space. That's awesome. Let's Let's just even back up. You're in your fourth plus decade. Um, what's the secret to that? Like, I don't know. I look around, I see people getting burned out. I see people getting alienated with ministry. Uh, four decades, you've, so that's like what, since the 80s? Like, what, what's the secret to that? Even a little before that. So, but um, I don't know. I think I've never fully recovered from from the redemption and uh, uh, that I experienced in Christ as a, as a uh, teenager. And... Um, um, I'm just so grateful to get to do what I do. I feel a real strong sense of calling. I have an incredible uh, wife who has that same sense of calling as well. And um, we've just been able to uh, uh, love the church in spite of all of its humanity. And uh, of course, that's what the Bible teaches us that, you know, uh, humanity is broken and in need of forgiveness and redemption. And, um, and so churches are full of broken people who need forgiveness and redemption. And I'm just glad to be a part of that process in my own life and helping others in their journey as well. And uh, I still believe the local church is the hope of the world and uh, uh, and have given my life to the greatest uh, message and purpose that I think a person can give their life to. So I'm still sure. grateful to be serving and um, be able to bring hopefully some help to some, some folks along the way and uh, in the in the work of the church, man. Hopefully that's that's inspirational. Just even for me, a guy who's done fifteen years of of, of church staff, and, and and I joke here on the show, like I've never stayed at any one location longer than five years before. It's like okay, it's time to go and just kind of move on, move on, move on. Somebody like you, and yeah, you've you've had different roles in different parts, but for forty years on physical church staffs outside through your uh, organization, supporting church staffs from within, consulting being part of that. Honestly, just me looking from the outside, that's inspirational to see somebody who's dedicated 40 years of their life to the church. So, you know, even up front, hey, thanks for the service of that. Thanks for contributing. Thanks for helping the the, the bride of Christ uh, in, in this season. And uh, thanks for in, investing. I, even Jim, like you were, you were influential in my life before you and I even like met. Uh, through multi-site guy, through through multi-site solutions, blogs back in the day, and, and just really being one of those loud voices. I, I want to thank you. And, and we've had this conversation before because even, even before I knew you, I felt like I knew you and, and you were having ministry influence on, on my life. So thanks for that, you know, even up front which is why I love having conversations like this because, you know, I'm listening to you on a Carrie Newhoff podcast and you say the word fidgetal and I'm screaming up and down. Yes, yes, yes. Like he's, he's got it. And he said it on Carrie Newhoff and we're getting it out there. And, and I'm understanding more of, of like this, you know, COVID uh, COVID's a thing. And, and, and as much as we at the church want to go back to February, 2020 and pretend like, you know, nothing happened. A, I don't think we're actually going to be able to go back because I don't think February 2020 exists anymore in, in culture. And B, I kind of find it funny that churches want to go back to February 2020 because February 2020 was not a great time 
in, in, in context of, of ministry. And so I, you're the, you're the multi-site guy, you're the, you're the merger guy, you know, and there's, there's books that, that, that you've, you've written on this. And I want to have some of those conversations, but I'm just curious, like from a multi-site st- perspective, uh, what, what are we learning? What is the church learning uh, mid-COVID, coming out of this post-COVID? Mm-hmm. I'm hearing some rumors that, that maybe multi-site's dead. I'm seeing some churches that are kind of struggling with this. Like, what's, what's the multi-site perspective now uh, mid-post-COVID? It's a great question, Jeff. Uh, I, when this COVID uh, hit us, I went back and, and reviewed an article I published with Outreach Magazine back in the fall of 2019. And they had asked me to write an article about where the multi-site movement was then and where was it going in the future. So I, I named a half a dozen trends that I was seeing that uh, we will, that churches that are really getting and, and effectively doing multi-site, this is what they're doing and this is where this movement is going. So I went back to see if that was still valid, it is still relevant in light of COVID. And as I read it, uh, I thought, absolutely, even more so. And as I've been said in several different places and others have said as well, that COVID really hasn't changed anything. It's just accelerated the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, in, in all dimensions, uh, you know, inside and outside the church. Certainly in the multi-site movement, uh, the trends that we were seeing of effective churches doing multi-site, uh, that those have only been accelerated and intensified and magnified through this COVID season. So uh, I could tell you the multi-site movement is not, is not dead or dying or the idea or the model of it. Just was a few weeks ago with a church that's in one location, it's about 2,000, and said, hey, we're ready to multi-site. Can you come and talk to us up in Tennessee? So, I mean, it's not going away. Now, for a lot of churches, and I said this in my article back in the fall, and I just published a new article with Resi, you know, the, our good friends that uh, living as one now, Resi, uh, about, they asked me, what, what's, uh, could you write an article about multi-site reopenings in multi-site churches? But um so I expressed several of the things that we're seeing there in the multi-site church movement. But we, uh, as we said back in the fall, small is the new big, that um, smaller facilities uh, um, uh, is, is clearly the tr- was the trend then and it continues to be that way. The churches that dabbled in multi-site, you know, with one or two locations, and they saw that as, quote, like a satellite campus, uh, they still had a main campus mindset. They didn't really make the multi-site uh, paradigm shift. We're going to see a lot of those churches churches shedding their campuses. Uh, we already were seeing that and getting out of the multi-site movement. But those churches that really embraced the multi-site model, the paradigm of one church, m- multiple locations, uh, and you know shifted in that paradigm before COVID, they're going to f- um, uh, do fine in this, in this season. Those who have a big box model are going to struggle. That is where every campus is a big, you know, uh, huge space facility. It's just not needed with a multi-site model. Mm -hmm. Those with a big campus, main campus that they had before all they got into the movement, uh, they're going to struggle more about filling those campuses up. But uh, small is the new big. And uh, for those who who are nimble and who can... uh, um, uh, embrace the, the paradigm shift, um, multi-site still going to be around and is growing. Thinking small is a consistent challenge for a lot of churches, right? Just in terms of expectations. Uh, how are you encouraging churches to kind of temper those expectations as they move forward? 
Well, again, it's I think before the multi-site movement, uh, the, uh, the the mantra was "let's get as big as we can," and the the mega church movement started around the seventies, eighties in America, and. Uh, but then, as we realize, you can get so big in one location, you can become unsustainable. And so we clearly uh, came to that conclusion. We're not going to see, and there's been a de- definite decline in building larger buildings, even before COVID. Uh, we just don't need them if you have a multi-site mindset. I was in a church the week of COVID, the week that it hit the country, you know, that mid-March. That Tuesday, I was in a church in Colorado that had move into a building that they had built and purchased the land and built a building for $6 million. And it's, uh, they were meeting in five services in, in a building of 350 seats, five services on Sunday. And when they moved into that building out of a school, uh, they were about 500 three years ago, and they'd grown to 2000 people in a building with 350 seats. And they, and it was all Sunday after, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon meetings, get services. And uh, they were almost apologizing for how small the building was. And I said, why did you build it with only 350 seats? And they said, that's all the county would allow us to build. And so uh, I said, but let me just say this. This is the new normal. This is before COVID hit. I mean, the week of it. Uh, what you've done here proves you can, have, you can be a mega-sized church in a small facility. And, um, and so they said, well, we, we've maximize our space here and we, we want a multi-site. And so I was just in that church about a month ago when they had reopened and, um, you know, they're back in, the, in business and uh, looking at down the road uh, for more sites as well as they get uh, regain their, their uh, congregation back. But, um, but I think that is the new normal. Uh, you don't, ha- you don't have to be big facilities to be a big, have a big impact. It's not getting as big as you can, but it's getting big enough where you can birth healthy, uh, uh, congregations. Right. Jim, is there a benefit to that? Because as I look to getting back, uh, not everybody's ready to meet with large crowds. And so is there a benefit to thinking small as opposed to thinking large because of it? Well, that, that is one of the benefits. We know across the country that the larger churches with larger campuses uh, are having a hard time returning. Uh, you know, the mega church facilities um, are not filling up. The smaller churches were able to reopen sooner and get back to pretty much business for them. So um, we saw that here at Christ Fellowship when we reopened two weeks ago. Our smaller facilities locations uh, were, you know, 50 at, at our capacity of what's allowed for us with uh, social distancing, where our, our two larger campuses uh, weren't uh, hitting that even that 25% or barely hitting the 25% uh, category for us. And so uh, smaller is uh, more nimble and more uh, and there's other, other benefit is it, it costs a whole lot less to maintain and uh, take care of facilities, smaller facilities. I love this line. Jim, you like you last time you were on the podcast, the the line from you was the not everybody has to buy into it, but enough have to to make it worthwhile. That was that was the thing. I have said that hundreds of times since you were on the on the podcast. And and this line right here is going to become my next line. It's not get as big as you can. It's get big enough to multiply healthily. Let's let unpack that because in in physical church in digital church you know there's there's reach versus engagement you know, like that there's a lot kind of in this one phrase and so I guess I would kind of say how do churches 
do churches see this? Do churches struggle with this? Like unpack that statement uh, and, and maybe give some advice or, or shaping in context of how that applies to the church today. Well, Jeff, I believe that uh, it's it's in the DNA of every living thing. God has breathed the, 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 uh, into every living organism. And I think of the church as a living organism. Uh, the breath of life is to, to be a blessing, uh, to be fruitful, that is to reproduce and to multiply. That was the commandment given to Adam and Eve. You know, uh, uh, he, the Bible says in Genesis that uh, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. What that means is uh, for the local church is it's in our DNA to be fruitful, to be a blessing, first of all, to a community and to people's lives, uh, but not just to be a blessing so we can enjoy the blessing, but also to reproduce that. That's being fruitful. And then to um, not only be reproduction, but multiplication. Now, that being said, I use the analogy of uh, a human, of a human humanity, uh, a 16 year old can have a baby, a 16 year old uh, uh, young woman can have a, can have a child physically, but is it healthy? Is that, is that wise? A uh, 20 plus year old woman is in a better place to a healthier place to have a healthy baby and survive the, de- uh, the delivery. So I think the same is for, true for a local church. Uh, our goal is to make disciples. It's not just to do church, but uh, we're the point of the spear of the, of the, of make the disciple making the local church is. And uh, so the, the goal ought to be as churches are birth is let's, let's reach people. Let's make disciples. Let's grow um, uh, healthy things grow. And so when we get strong enough and healthy enough, we need to reproduce. And, uh, and then when the, uh, when we birth out other congregations two multiplication is when those congregations or campuses give birth to campuses. And so that's just in our DNA. And, uh, but there is just like in, in the human body, there is a, uh, a healthy time to do that and a premature time for that to happen. So, so we're seeing multi-sites in uh, our, and I love this evaluation that you say, if you're going to measure health, don't just measure the Sunday, measure groups, me- measure multiple levels, because that's going to tell you the health. Uh, it's more than just that reach of, of the Sunday morning, nickels and noses, uh, the butts and seats a- a approach. And so kind of have that. And, and hopefully physical established churches, even mapping that out onto the digital side, don't just map out uh, and, and celebrate the number of Facebook viewers you have for two seconds. Uh, but how much, how much of that's getting connected into your next step, your membership class? So I was going to say that it's not just the followers. It's how many are taking a next step. That's the key. Yeah. Um, if there, if nobody's taking a next step, or if you're not even giving them an invitation to take a next step, but even if you are, uh, that's to me is the real evidence that you're connecting with people that people are really are engaging with you. They're not just flipping through the, through the websites. Yeah. The, the challenge is to move beyond consumer. And, and so, cause we don't want our, our church online. We don't want our churches to be filled with consumers. We want to get to that, that next level. And, and so put metrics on that, measure that gauge the success of those next steps. Don't just be, don't just be celebrating the reach number. You can, you can write a check to Facebook or to Google to, to boost that reach number. You got to figure out how to get them to that next level. Jeff, I think the churches that are going to be effective in this uh, COVID era and beyond are those that, that really are going to move away from focusing on the weekend experience, uh, but more to 
what's our content this week that we're going to put online, that we're going to deliver at week at, the, at our physical campuses, that we're going to funnel through our small groups, and uh, that really it's it's less about a, an event. The, the weekend is just a, is a vehicle now, uh, one of and a very powerful one, but one of several. And I think the focus moves there. What can we put? What, what's our content for this week or for this three months or whatever? And then how do we get that out out in different ways on uh, digitally? How do we deliver that on the weekends? And so that we start with you know in the past uh, Ray is the idea was hey we have our weekend experience how do we make it digital? Now I think the shift needs to be. We have content that uh, we uh, start digitally, and then how do we how do we deliver that? Contextualize that in a physical location. Yeah, the the idea of a previous to COVID, I could see where a lot of ministries were were operating siloed, like the weekend experience may be doing one thing. Small groups may or may not be connected to that kids and students were, were often kind of doing their own thing in this COVID season with digital kind of rising in influence. I can see where digital becomes this thing that connects all of it together because we're experiencing those services digital and we're experiencing our small groups digital. So our, our people are now getting drinking from the same faucet. And there's an opportunity for us as the church to seamlessly connect those together. I love that. Jim, create one one experience, one direction, one track. And whether it's social media that's prepping for the service or the service that's prepping for a deeper conversation in, in social media, you're moving people solidified in one direction instead of micro-fractional pulling them in all yep. sorts of different totally. places. That That's beautiful. I, I don't think I'd really ever put that together until just now. It's a great opportunity. Well, let's, let's do, I want to talk about, um, I want, want to talk about mergers a, a, a little bit because you, you just came out with this book. Uh, actually, it's a, it's a re-release uh, and, and what a, what a timely re-release where you've got, uh, churches that were were trying to here in this COVID season, we're we're shutting down. Like was it Barna? Uh, David Kinnaman comes out. Thirty uh, percent of Christians have left the church. Mathematically, an act of God or radical disciple making, but mathematically they're gone. We we're not going to get them back. Twenty percent of churches, uh, uh, Kinnaman saying, are going to shut down in the next eighteen months. Um, you know, we we've talked about digital strategy being being a possibility, but. Uh, mergers are definitely going to be uh, a thing in the future. And you guys were already re-releasing this book and working towards this this book coming out to help churches figure out how to do this merger thing. Jim, tell me about it. Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly, the timing of this was amazing. Last fall, the publishers came to my co-author and I, Warren Bird, and said, your book has been a steady selling book, but it's in hardback. Could we have your permission to release that in paperback because we think it's a growing um, trend and uh, we'd like to make it even more accessible to more people. And we said, we would be willing to uh, do that if you would allow us to update it. And, uh, and so we did a survey last fall of nearly a thousand churches who had gone through a merger in the last five to 10 years. 
uh, and uh, we added three more chapters. We everything we wrote in the first book, we uh, <laughs> uh, we, the, we didn't have to repent of anything we wrote. Uh, everything we said there that we published eight and a half years ago, where, where we really gave some language to the merger um, um, conversation and some categories and some tools about how this has gone from a lose-lose to a win-win uh, option for churches. And that was more, these are more mission-driven versus survival-driven kind of mergers that we were seeing 10 years ago. And so uh, that trend has continued to grow. Uh, and more and more mergers are happening. You know, eight, 10 years ago, 30% of all multi-site churches were uh, a result of a merger or acquisition of a church building through a merger. Uh, at Christ Fellowship, as you know, Ray, we've had three uh, mergers here locally and four globally that, uh, that's, that, you know, came our campuses, congregations through mergers. We, we certainly experienced that. Now in our latest survey, f- over 40% of multi-site churches are experiencing, you know, facilities through a merger. But we also saw church planters, uh, 20% of church planters are acquiring a facility through a, a merger. And um, we also see that many, more and more churches are seeing um, who are looking for a pastor or succession strategy as a merger is, is becoming more a, a tool or an option for those kind of churches as well. But the publisher said, we, we see there's a, this is a growing trend and uh, we'd like to release it next fall. That was a year ago <laughs> in the fall of 2020. And so we, we added three more chapters, added a bunch more tools, told more stories, updated some of our stories from our first book. And uh, we submitted our final manuscript the, the month before COVID hit. And um, once it hit, we asked the publisher, could we have that back and uh, address the COVID issue? And, and, uh, and also we wanted to review, has COVID changed anything we wrote? <laughs> and it didn't. Again, it only accelerated what we already were seeing. Uh, there's more churches merging because more churches are, just, are struggling. And um, the... Um, and they said, well, we're going to really, we, they get, they allowed us to have the back, the book back to, I mean, the manuscript back. We updated some things related to COVID. Uh, and they said, we're only going to release one book this fall. And that's your book. Wow. Uh, because it's so timely. So we, um, it's better together, making church mergers work expanded and updated. That's awesome. We'll, we'll include a link in, in the show notes for that, but it's uh it was, it was a great book beforehand. I, you know, I read, version one, however many years ago, but having it come back out to, to help churches, I, I'll be honest, like I've had, I've already had some of these hard conversations, uh, with, with churches of, Hey, um, um, I've lost my space. I was set up and tear down at a school. That's not, that's not going to happen. Or we're, we're not going to go back to the school. I have no idea. We're already disconnected. We we've tried the digital thing and we're really not able, we were barely grasping, you know, financially being able to hold on. And, and I guess my, my question kind of walking into this is at, at what point is it, if, if I'm, if I'm a church like this, that's struggling today, I, I've got several different options. I've, I've got, I've got the merger route. I've got the, the digital strategy become a digital only church for a season uh, until I can get my feet back underneath me. Um, you know, I've got just to hang it up and, and close it down. Don't worry, like just move on to the next thing. So I've really got like three different approaches. It's interesting. You're kind of talking about all three at different levels. So mm-hmm. what, how do I know as, as a, as a lead pastor of, of a church that's struggling, how do I know what path to go on? 
It's a good question. I one of the things that we tell churches. Um, how do you know if you're a struggling church or stuck church or strong church? Those are our three categories. Right? Your strong churches are, are emerging because they're acquiring facilities and congregations, adopting them because um, they're growing, they're expanding, they're needing for facilities. Uh, stuck churches uh, many times are stuck because they, uh, they, they don't know they're stuck. They think because they're meeting their bills and, you know, everything's okay. They're not in trouble financially but they're not reaching people. They're not growing. And some, some churches are fine with that. Uh, they like, they don't, they're okay being stuck. Others aren't happy with it and are dissatisfied with that. Then there are those who are struggling. We know that um, in our work at, at the unstuck group about um, we have a category of there's seven stages of a life cycle of a church. And um, the downside is about 60% are in maintenance mode stuck. Mm. About 15% are in, life preservation. And then the um, about 10% are in um, life support. Those That's about 25% of those churches that COVID is only going to accelerate their uh, uh, closing. Now, uh, if you're a church, it's not, whatever you measure as a church, whether it's attendance, finances, uh, baptisms, uh, whatever you measure, if, uh, if that's if those things have been on the downside for more than two plus years, you're in trouble. You need to turn around or you may not, you may be too far gone to turn around. You need to close down. Or the nice thing is with a merger, you have a chance to have a new, a second life, a new chapter, a rebirth. How do I know what path to choose? The first thing church leaders need to do is, and the first thing leaders do is define reality. Where are we now? Uh, where do we want to go and how do we get there? And so uh, one of the things we do on the Unstuck uh, website, we have a, a self-assessment tool that churches can take. We've had over 15,000 churches take the self-assessment tool of their health. And uh, we and that's where we get our, our statistics about how many churches are struggling, how many are, are thriving, et cetera. But um, so first of all is uh, facts are our friends. Are we, do we, are we going to make it? Uh, do we, even if we can make it financially, and many of the churches that merge are not in trouble financially, but they, they're not, they're stuck. They're not reaching people. They're not making disciples. And we all know that the church should be a prevailing church and that we, we exist to make disciples. If we're not making disciples, then we're stuck now, but us, uh, so a, a good self-assessment is the first step. What are the, what are the metrics? What are the things that measure health in the in your in your world? That will tell you we need to do something here. That's a great start. Really, I mean, honestly, humbly evaluate where you are in the path. Is it worth getting connected to to somebody else, or even just being broken enough to? recognize where, where you are and that you even need, need that help. So we'll, we'll link to the self-assessment in the, uh, in the, in the show notes. You, you can get access to that and, and go through, um, and, and the, the unstuck group, Tony Morgan and those guys are, are, are doing a great work right now, trying to help, uh, obviously as many churches in this COVID season. I think all the organizations that were trying to help churches, they're all working overdrive right now, trying to help through that. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jim, one of the things that, I've loved about you is, is you're, you're the forward thinking guy. Uh, you're, I don't, I don't want to say like, you're like 
old, but you're you've been working for uh, for decades. That's awesome. We talked about that earlier, so we'll just we'll just pay homage to that. Um, but by thinking, uh, by being the age that you are, you've always been kind of pushing the li- limits on things. You, one of the leaders of, of the multi-site movements, championing this this idea of mergers. Uh, you've been forward thinking in, in context of of your ministry life, and this is what I think is interesting in this season. Now is we've got a, a an opportunity to do something different. You know, some of the things that that I've been championing is this idea of a digital only church, a church that doesn't have a physical footprint necessarily. And we've you know we've talked with digital only planners like DJ Soto, who's got a uh, I don't know reaching hundreds of people in virtual reality on multiple campuses. Angela Craig is doing a Facebook uh, church that's in 40 countries, 43 languages, something like that. Jade Earhart's reaching video gamers and discipling them and and creating a discipleship movement, growing it into a church digitally using tools like Twitch and Discord. Uh, And so this is a a forward-thinking thing. And, And so as I... As I talk with people about this idea of a digital-only church, I, I get one of two responses. Uh, one is, that is the greatest thing that I've ever heard. It's about time. How can I help? Or the second is, that's borderline heresy. You're going to hell just for the idea. Um, and, and literally, even in COVID season, it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a true dichotomy. It's either one of those two. I'm just curious, kind of, kind of your perspective at this idea of a digital-only church, a church without a physical footprint, existing in, in digital space, held to biblical standards. Um, wh- what's your take? What's your opinion when you look at the future? Wh- what role do you see like a digital-only church playing? This conversation is a lot like people were having before COVID, where can you even do a digital campus digital church experience, you know, there was a lot of debate about that. It's not biblical. It's not, it's not uh, meets the requirements of biblical community, et cetera. Nobody's, nobody's saying that these last six months <laughs> about can it work on online? Of course, it, 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 we've demonstrated, it's been demonstrated. You can be a fully functioning church online. The question about digital only, I think, uh, first of all, I, that is the only option in parts of the world where it's illegal to meet as Christians where the, mm-hmm. uh, where there's persecution. So uh, for many of those, that's, that is the only way they can do church is digitally. Uh, and uh, if I, we know that people perhaps in prisons as well, you know, I mean, they can't go to a church service and all that sort of thing, although there are ways to even have a church service in a in a prison. But I think, is it possible? Yes. Uh, and um, is it, only I think that we I think we will see some experiences of church of individuals who are, who are going to be uh, digital only. That's just going to be their strategy, and I want to just say go for it. The um, uh, I think that if I was a church planner today, and, and if I was starting all over, if I was going to start as a church, I would start digitally. And this is basically and it's so fun because that's what you get, you're working with Stadia. That's yep. what they hired you to do is to help church planters start churches beginning digitally first, at least. Mm-hmm. And I think mostly with the idea of, of a physical uh, launch eventually. I think if uh, though if I was doing, I would do digital church and then I would get people into small groups. And, um, and then maybe once a quarter, we'd rent a facility and I'll come together uh, and uh, yeah. you know, have a church experience. 
the uh, that I think that would be the way I would go. It reminds me a lot of the first century, the first three centuries, where they, uh, they in the most part, it was illegal to meet as Christians, to certainly build buildings and all, but they all met somewhere. There was a meeting place somewhere, uh, but it was homes. It was by a riverside. It was uh, in a jail. It was um, the um, the idea of a being of a, a building centric faith. You know, that's that's something that's happened over the last hundreds of years, maybe in the West. But um, we know today that uh, the, where the church is growing the fastest is um, in places like Iran, uh, Afghanistan, et cetera. But I'm getting off track. Digital only. Um, I, 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 um, I think the jury's still out on that. I think that the, not, it's not just about biblical community. I think it's just hum, human humanity in general has a hmm. need for physical connection. So I think we'll figure out ways to um, uh, come together. But it won't. Ha- it, uh, but I think it'll be different v- venues to doing that. But I do think I, if I was starting a church today, I would start digital first for sure, and uh, and then figure out how do we deliver digital experience in a physical location. What's, yeah. How do we adapt that? Yeah, I, I I love that challenge. The idea of of, of planting a, a church digital first and, and then and then growing it in physical stadia. We were doing that a lot. I can already tell you, you know, success stories of, of well, guys. Yeah, I, that, I loved your podcast with uh, the Nouveau Church. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Nouveau has been way. doing a great job with, with that, and, and it was funny. There was um, we one of one of the other guys that was on here, Ray Hudson, who's with. Um, Oh, Ray, uh, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on your church name right now. But he just launched. He had been digital. He'd launched early um, in, in the middle of the COVID season. And he just coming out of out of COVID, he, he just had his first physical services, I think this past week. Um, he did, and it was, it was at a micro location. It was not in the location he was planning on. Uh, but they could have 20 people in the service. Uh, because of restrictions. And so he launched his first service with six, first weekend with six services, two Saturday, four Sunday. Uh, preached 15 minutes, you know, shorter worship was a much more condensed environment. It was basically some of the same content that was done digitally with his online service, just done physically. And so planners are trying to figure out how to mold that. Honestly, he's trying to figure out if he could do 10 services. 10 services. As a planner, it's just phenomenal because some of the dedication heading into that. But here's here's what I know, and Jim, you know, maybe maybe you see this, maybe not. But when when I look into the into now coming out of COVID, I really see where all the models have been jumbled up. Uh, I I think that that people maybe this isn't a long term thing, but at, at least short term, I think churches are are trying to fit into whatever mold they can. And, and maybe the established model of what any given church was uh, because of COVID, I think all the playbooks are kind of jumbled and everybody's just grasping to try to find whatever straw they can to, to work, which I think opens up an opportunities for things like digital only churches to work and, and to kind of get defined. Uh, because I've I've got micro churches, I've got digital, I've got digital only, I've got digital first, where I'm having to do this before. I've got digital next, where I'm on the verge of shutting down. I'm trying to find somebody to merge with, and, and digital next really seems to be the the solution for me. 
um, for a season until I can get my legs back under me as a church. It just really seems like as these models get jumbled up, I think there's an opportunity for another model to open up with this idea of, let me recognize digital community as a community that's, that's worthy of, of a, of a church. So are you, what, what challenges do you see even as, as we're looking at all of these different models of, of what church looks like and how, how can digital play a part? Well, I think this, this is an exciting era. This allows us, we've got in some ways, COVID has given us permission to do a lot of experimenting and a lot of trying. I would say right now, Jeff, nobody has it with, would definitively can say, this is the way to forward. This is, this is the best model. This is the best practices. We're all learning that right now. And so uh, it's, but I think this is a great shakeup for the church because we were stuck and declining, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. 20% of the churches in America were, were th are thriving. We're thriving. And, uh, and I celebrate that. And many of those are the churches that are, very innovative and pioneering and willing to, to try new things. The, um, but I think this season gives us the permission to do that. And ask me a year from now, uh, what's, what's the new, the new normal, what's the new best practices. Uh, again, I think um, a lot of how you predict uh, the future is what's working now and kind of um uh, uh, follow that, the implications, project that forward. But right now, COVID has, has turned everything upside down, but it gives us a huge um, opportunity and permission to try new models, new methods, new ideas. Yeah. And those, those uh, th many of those are going to stick yeah. and become the new, the new normal. Yeah. And, and even to quote you from last time you were on, not everybody has to buy into it, but enough have to to make it worthwhile. So, you know, in this, in this season, experiment, try something new, um, change the way that you're evaluating to a fuller picture beyond just the, the reach, start to get into that engagement. Engagement is the new, um, you know, stat to celebrate and do that across your entire church, your entire discipleship pathway, engagement pathway. And uh, change the way that you're evaluating your church. This is all—it's all beautiful. It all works together. So, Jeff, I'm—I'm I'm thinking it was you that coined the phrase "fidgetal church," right? You know what's interesting is we could actually probably have that conversation. It's either myself or James Emery White. It was—I—I I stole it from uh, a bit from business, like business is using yeah, it. Yeah, it was uh, Forbes. There. I think was the first place that I saw it. Um, and it was funny the other day I was actually trying to scrape back through blog posts to try to find where mine was. And, and cause I know James Emery White's been using it a lot over out of, um, out of his church and, and, and his movement, uh, with church and culture. And, and so I, I'm not sure honestly who predates it, but I, we were, we were early on in that. And, and I, I love, I love that it's now becoming like normal talk. I was watching a sermon of a church of a friend of mine and, and some 65 year old pastors on stage preaching online, talking about how we as a church, we need to think more fidgetal. And I'm like, I just got a 65 year old dude to say fidgetal in, in a sermon. Like I, my, my work here is, is done. Like this is, this is great. So it has definitely been a, a great run and uh, we're, we're not slowing down. I, I know you four year, four decades ongoing, you're, you're not slowing down either as well. And you've been a little inspirational for me, even just saying, Hey, I want to be able to keep pressing on in, in ministry and doing this. And, 
And for me to keep up pace with you, I guess that means I'll have to be working in, in 2040. And, and, and Lord knows what the church is going to look like in a couple of decades. So that, that might be an interesting challenge into itself. But hey, Jim, and it's been great hanging out with you today, uh, as, as always. Any, as, as we're landing the plane here, any closing thoughts? You commented about just being forward-thinking for four or four decades. I appreciate it. Thank you for that compliment. I, I do have a um, – I've always had this I, – I, I wake up every day thinking, how can we do this better? How can we reach more people? How can we make more disciples better and be, uh, more and better disciples? Um, that has been a driving force for me or, or a conviction. And how do we how do we do this better? I never – I get bored when it's uh, routine. Uh, even if it's routine, successful, um, because success sometimes can be the greatest inhibitor of, mm. of greater impact because we, we get comfortable with our current success. And so I think uh, all down through the centuries, there have always been innovative church leaders who were willing to uh, experiment, to embrace the latest technology and, and leverage it and use it for making more disciples and extending God's kingdom on earth. And so um, it's fun being in this space, and um, I, I'm, uh, I, <laughs> I'm still loving it, and um, and want to keep doing this until I can't. Awesome, Lo- love it. So hey, check check out uh, Better Together. The links in the show notes on on, on the merger. Uh, you know, check out if if you're not following Jim on on social media through multi site guy and merger guru and. You know, whatever the next thing is, Jim, Jim will figure it out and, and, and find ways to, to to jump on that. So love uh, the the influence, Jim, once again, that, that you've had on my life. So thank you for that. Ray had to step out uh, to go actually do Christ Fellowship work as, as known to happen. So Ray's not even on here, but it was great having him on too. For Ray, uh, for Jim, this is Jeff uh, with the Church Digital and Stadia Church Planning. Thanks for joining us on the podcast again. And uh, we'll see you next time here at the show. Y'all have a good day.